Good afternoon to you. Welcome to Thursday's Richie Allen radio show from a lovely Salford. It's absolutely lovely. Five o'clock it is. I'm Richie Allen, the BBG. Do reach out to me, talk to me during the programme via the website or via the app. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the things we'll be discussing today. There's much to discuss, so there is. Uncensored. Unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. It's the Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Now, on today's program, I'll be joined by Kate Moore and by Julia Burgess. Now, Kate is a parent whose children attend Valley Park School in Maidstone, which is in Kent. She was devastated to learn that Maidstone Borough Council approved an application for a 15-metre 5G mast to be erected only metres away from the school boundary and less than 100 metres from the classrooms. Parents objected, residents objected, but the council gave to go ahead to put the mast up in any case. Kate claims, as do her fellow, um, I suppose, how would you call them, activists, they claim that the consultation process was not sufficient. She has begun legal action against Maidstone Borough Council and we'll talk about that with Kate Moore and, as I said, with Julia Burgess a little bit later on this hour. 5G is important, isn't it? We should talk about it. I think we should. We shouldn't stop talking about it. I reckon you see that during the first lockdown which went on for ages in 2020 is that a lot of these 5g masts went up now of course i must i must put the caveat i cannot prove this but it did happen in salford i wonder was that opportunity availed of taken advantage of by local authorities around the country maybe the ladies will have an opinion on that maybe not we will see I've already asked you, but I do mean it. I hope you're well. I hope things are good. I've been beavering away this afternoon, but also with an ear on the Test Match special, listening to the happenings, the goings-on at Lord's Cricket Ground in London, the second day of the second Test, England versus Australia. Sure, I'd only love to be there. (laughs) I'm happy to be here with you. I'm always happy to be with you. But I love an old afternoon at the cricket now with, uh, what with Pims, is it? No, Pims is tennis. I wouldn't have Pims be jeepers. No, to be beer for me. Desperation now with respect to how journalists are dealing with Just Stop Oil. I'm a guy who throws around a lot of names, but I do so in a very Irish way with my tongue in my cheek. It's just my way, right? Cretins is a word I, I use quite often to describe these goons is another word I use often to describe these dickheads to describe and so on, so on. As they just stop oil people, many of whom I have to say and I have said many times before, I think are absolutely convinced that climate collapse is real and it is happening and we'd better do something about it. But the media are becoming increasingly desperate to deal with them or to, not to deal with them, but to cope with them. And it's getting ridiculous. Listen to Nick Ferrari on LBC Radio. Now, Nick lives in London because LBC Studios, just off, in fact, not just off Leicester Square, 
that's where you'll find LBC Radio if you ever wanted to pop down to Leicester Square and see. I'm sure they give guided tours of LBC not, but that's where they're based in any case. And so I, I tell you this because he's obviously a London dweller, Nick Ferrari, and he must be pissed off just like everybody else that every other day you turn a corner in your motor car and these dickheads are on the road walking slowly, holding up the traffic and causing misery and chaos when they should be having the bejesus billy clubbed out of them. Do you like that? We have a way with words. They should have the bejesus billy clubbed out of them by the bobbies. There's alliteration for you right there. Just Stop while should feel like strikers in Dublin in 1908. They should be treated just the way James Larkin and Jim Connolly and all the great men and women. I'm a trade unionist, by the way. I don't mean any of this. But I'd love to see that treatment dished out to Just Stop while, even though they are sincere. Billy clubbed the bejesus out of him. Get back to your middle-class lifestyles, you sweaty, scruffy bastards, and get off the roads. Anyway, as I said, he's building up here. The media's getting... They don't know what to do, so Nick Ferrari thought he would offer... He would offer an offer to Dave. (laughs) They're always called Dave. I hope I'm right, Dave. Um, Who is a Just Stop Oil activist. Here's the offer. I'll tell you what I'll do. Here's a deal. Here's a deal. David, 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 just come back after this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you stop these protests... When you stop these protests... You will have an hour of this show. Wow, what an offer. You will have an hour of my show. You can take over for an hour to tell the world that we're all going to die in climate collapse, Dave. What say you, Dave? When you stop walking slowly across London, trying to disrupt the cricket or the rugby or the snooker, you will have an hour of this show. There's a deal. Go on, Dave. How could you say no? Ready? Done? Okay. Okay. So I, oh, okay, says Dave. I think that there's a climate emergency. Who do you by yeah. the sounds of it? Okay. I know, I totally I agree. agree. So, Nick Ferrari totally agrees that there is a climate emergency. I think that we should start having the adult conversation about it. You can have an hour Let's of it. <laughs> you can have an hour of it, Dave. Oh, okay, Let's David. No, 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 no. You're trying to get your hour in now. Come on, David. As, <laughs> as D makes a very good point, actually, where is your leader, where is the organisation's leader, get to him or her and say... I've got an no, hour of radio. I've got an hour of radio where at least nine people will listen. At least nine people. Nick Ferrari must be properly pissed off of driving around London with these goons to offer them an hour of his program. And we can that, lay that, out all the arguments. There, Nick, because what you're doing is you're lumping every single no, no, person no, just that believes you. in climate change. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll still we'll still have to play the commercials, obviously. Yeah, I don't think Dave is too enamoured of your offer there, Nicholas. Don't think he's too happy with that. You'll have to do better than that. Give them the entirety of James O'Brien's show for a week. I'd listen to it. I'd listen to the goons from Just Stop Oil before listening to James O'Brien. I'll give you an hour. Just please stop walking slowly in front of my car. Okay, so Rwanda flights for migrants. We've talked about it a little bit on this programme. Spanner in the works. The Court of Appeal. Judges have said, eh, eh. No, they've said no, no. Rwanda hadn't hadn't provided enough safeguards to prove that it is a safe third country. So the Court of Appeal has told Suella Braverman, the Home Secretary, and Rishi Sunak, uh, no, uh, as it stands, you won't be putting people who come into the country onto a flight to Rwanda. Sunak has spoken this afternoon. Don't worry, you won't have to listen to him. He said he fundamentally disagrees with the ruling. 
and he says the government will challenge this all the way to the Supreme Court. Now, the charity which brought the challenge, Asylum Aid, they're cock-a-hoop, they are delighted. They say the decision was a vindication of the importance of the rule of law and basic fairness. So for the moment, nobody will be going on a flight to Rwanda, which I believe would cost the UK taxpayer something along the lines of £169,000 per person. £169,000 per person. When it would be cheaper to keep them here, apparently. I'm not advocating keeping anybody here. I'm not advocating Rwanda. I don't know what I think. But the Times journalist Matthew Paris told Times Radio that he himself, the journalist, is in favour of the get them on the plane to Rwanda plan. It's, I think, worrying for the, the British government. I'm a supporter of the Rwanda policy, but I, I think what's new is, is that focus has been placed on Rwanda itself as a country. And if a court says it's not safe, what can the government do about it? Well, this will go to the Supreme Court later this year. It delays the implementation of the whole policy. But I, I can't quite see the government legislating to say that they and only they and no court can say whether a country is safe. You'd probably have to change the wording of the, the European Convention, for instance, on, on human rights, um, either to remove the word safe, which would be difficult, or else all, all, all you've got left, I think, is to find another country. Ken Clark made a speech defending the Rwanda policy. And lots of people think that Ken Clark is on the left. Mm. You know, he doesn't. he's not normally shy of criticising uh, the, the Conservative government. And he basically said something... This is a, at least an idea. And he said he'd sat through hours of debate and lots of opposition, but nobody is putting forward an alternative idea. That's the problem, I think, for those who oppose the Rwanda plan. What they say is we must make uh, safe and legal and easy routes available for people to come to Britain, then they won't go on the boats. You know, when you say to, uh, to, to, to uh, those who protest against the Rwanda plan, well, what's your plan? They say we must make it safe and easy, then we people won't go on the boats. The trouble is the last thing the British government or any European government want to do is to make it safe and easy uh, for potentially millions of people yeah. all over the world to come here. So actually both sides are now up a creek. Yeah, I reckon that Rishi Sunak and Suella Braverman should give Sylvester Stallone and Jason Statham a ring, get them to round up the expendables, go to Dover, get a few rocket launchers and start firing on the small boats. Dolph Lundgren, Bruce Willis. Was Bruce Willis in the expendables? They were all in there, weren't they? Dolph Lundgren, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Get the expendables in, get rid of these migrants once and for all, bomb them from the shore and don't worry about the children they'll be all right this is the richie allen show i'm i'm obviously joking can you say that um hi to j1xx3r hi there hi to rude boy marcus who's got a new studio on the go good man marcus hi to keen what is it with these ridiculous questions about the studio keen asks is that a neumann u87 mike yes it is why does that matter? But thank you, Cian, for the question anyway. Uh, Cliff says, Richie, would you please welcome my granddaughter, Isla Rosemore, who was born by C-section this afternoon. She and her mum have dodged the MRNA blood transfusion bullet. Cliff, get in there. Congratulations to everybody concerned. And may God, if God is there, may God bless Isla Rosemore, born this afternoon. May she have a fantastic long and healthy life. Good man, Cliff. 
I bet you'll have a drink or two tonight, my friend. Wetted the baby's head, as we say in Ireland, as if we need any excuse whatsoever to imbibe. We don't. Everything is drinking, yes, yes. Just come, you cut your grass, you cut your grass, did you? Off to the pub, let's go. That calls for a celebration. My daughter just started second form. She just started second form, did she? Let's go to the pub. Let's go to the pub. Forget about your daughter and where she is. Let's go to the pub. Hi to Terry who says... Thank you, Terry. He enjoyed yesterday's programme. Backbeat says there is absolutely no doubt in his mind that the lockdowns covered a multitude of nefarious activities. Many of these were performed under the additional cover of darkness. Bait and switch, question mark. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Hi to Gabriel Garion. And he mentions a Robert Kennedy appearance on a podcast recently. Kennedy said, Junior, there are tens of thousands of peer-reviewed studies highlighting the dangers of Wi-Fi, especially to children. Thank you, Gabriel. That's worth mentioning to our guests shortly. Hi to Mike, who says, Yes, Mike, I'm going to be talking about this later on. Hopefully, I'm hanging on the telephone, waiting for a guest to get back to me. Uh, The World Health Organization study about aspartame saying that it's uh, probably going to be labelled as a carcinogen, as if we haven't known about this for decades. Thank you, Mike. Good point. I take Gaz, who reckons that climate change activists are indeed a bit of a cult. God love them, they are. Hmm, what do you make of this? Nigel Farage, or Farage, or Farage, as they probably say in Ireland. Nigel Farage, Farage, or Farage, is a former City of London worker, turned politician anti-European Union guy, turned GB News presenter. He isn't happy. He had something he wanted to share with with everybody via his YouTube channel today. Here he is then, Mr Brexit himself, Nigel Farage. Farage. I'm not full of the joys of spring. I've been living with something for the last couple of months. He's not full of the joys of spring. He's been holding on to something for two months. That may well fundamentally affect my future career going on from here and whether I can even stay living in this country. Wow. He's been wrestling with something for two months that might fundamentally change his career and maybe even lead to him leaving the country, please God. What is it? I have been with the same banking group since 1980. Bet it's Rothschilds. I've had my personal... I'm joking. ...accounts with them since that date and my business accounts right through the 1990s when I worked in the City of London and in recent years too. So he's done all his banking with one bank for decades, his business accounts, his personal accounts, right? I'm with one of the subsidiaries of this big banking group, one with a very prestigious name, but I won't name them just yet. It's got to be Rothschild, right? I got a phone call a couple of months ago to say, we are closing your accounts. I asked why. No reason was given. I was told a letter would come which would explain everything. The letter came through and simply said, we are closing your accounts. We want to finish it all by a date, uh, which is around about now. I didn't quite know what to make of it. I complained, uh, I emailed the chairman, uh, a lackey phoned me uh, to say that it was a commercial decision, which I have to say, I don't believe for a single moment. Doesn't believe for a moment that it's a commercial decision. Let's hear some more. So I thought, well, there we are. I'll have to go and find a different bank. I've been to six, uh, no, seven banks actually, um, asked them all, could I have a personal and a business account? And the answer has been no in every single case. No. There is nothing irregular or unusual about what I do. The payments that go in and come out every month are pretty much the same. I maintain in my business account 
quite a big positive cash balance. Which Sure you do have a big positive cash balance, Nigel. Which I guess with interest rates where they are, is pretty good for the bank too. And good for you. So why is this happening to me? Well... Because you're a martyr. Because you, and only you alone, can bring down this dystopian system. That must be the reason. One explanation is this. A few years ago, the European Union came up with a definition of somebody called a PEP, a politically exposed person. Listen to this. Politically exposed person. We talked about this several years ago on this programme. Now, this could range from anybody, from a prime minister, down to a local councillor. I think the reason for it was... You know, were people in politics open to bribery? Could foreign governments from Ukraine or China or wherever else it may be, could they be pumping money into, you know, the accounts of corrupt politicians? So I now, so one of the reasons it might be is that the banks might think, the banks may think that Nigel Farage is a bit of a puppet and that he is being funded by nefarious actors on the geopolitical stage from elsewhere, Russia and whatnot. So the banks might think this that he is a politically exposed person getting funded by, as I said, you know, undesirables. One explanation. I kind of understand that and get that. But it's all about interpretation, isn't it? And what the banks argue is that to maintain an account for a politically exposed person gives them increased costs of compliance. It's all about, he says, uh, he's not dismissing this out of hand. So who does Nigel Farage regularly receive money from? Outside of the United Kingdom, that is. Has Farage received money in the past, either when he was running the Brexit Party or the UK Independence Party, or even since he's uh, become a journalist? Has he taken money on, on, on the proviso, on the basis that he would, I don't know, espouse a certain point of view? Or that he would take a certain position? Has he, I wonder? Now I have spoken to the city minister in this country uh, and there is some hope that this EU definition which came into British law may be moderated in some way. We'll have to see. But of course, any bank, any organisation can choose to interpret a PEP and whether they want the account in any way they choose. Uh, to my knowledge, I don't think anybody uh, has been treated like me in the world of politics. That's bullshit. We'll leave that. We might come back to that. Again, the martyrdom. I don't think anybody has been treated like me. Sure. Let's hear some more. This is really interesting. But then the banks, you see themselves, are part of the big corporate structures in this country. These are the organisations who did not want Brexit to happen. Uh, and I think in my case, probably the corporate world will never, ever forgive me. You didn't want Brexit to happen either, Nigel, did you? Because... And this will be a controversial now statement. Not, I, I'm not being controversial, but for his supporters, they will find this very controversial. Nigel Farage with um, a genuine Brexit is, I don't know, I, I can't make an appropriate analogy off the top of my head. But um, it's, I suppose you could say it's like the emperor with no clothes, right? What What is Farage without a perennial struggle to extricate the United Kingdom from the European Union. I don't imagine deep down that Farage wanted the UK to leave either. You probably disagree with me, but think about it. Because they know if I hadn't done what I did with the help of thousands of people in, the, in, in, in our People's Army, 
there never would have been a referendum, let alone a victory. I'm the one. There's not been any victory, though. The United Kingdom has not left the European Union. That is to carry the blame. So I'm being blamed for it. So this might be the reason the banks are closing down my account or the bank closed my account down and seven banks have refused to do business with me. Last bit of this. So that's the second possible reason why I can't get a bank account. Prejudice that comes from our institutions. But I think there's a third reason. A few months ago in the House of Commons, Sir Chris Bryant, chairman of the Privileges Committee, said using parliamentary privilege, that I had received large sums of money directly from the Russian government, and he named a calendar year in which it had happened. Truth is, I didn't receive a penny from any source with even any link to Russia. Now, sadly, on this point, Farage makes a good point. Chris Bryant, he's a wretched little pipsqueak Bryant, is uh, used parliamentary privilege to accuse Farage of taking money from the Russian whatever the Russian government, the Kremlin, whatever. Using parliamentary privilege means an MP cannot be sued for libel or for defamation, right? So here I would expect Farage very determinedly, very pointedly, I would expect Farage to dare Bryant to make the allegations outside of Westminster, where it would be open season on Bryant if Bryant was telling porkies. But he doesn't do that. And yet, because he said it, it stands. I wrote to the Speaker. I demanded an apology. Yeah, you, you wrote to the Speaker, Lindsay Hoyle, but you didn't really scream from the rooftops that you haven't taken money from Russia or anybody else and that if Chris Bryant has a pair of testicles, he will take off his Westminster badge that gives him access to the chamber and he will go out on the street and into a telephone will say, Nigel Farage has taken money from the Russians or from God knows who else. That's what I would be saying if I was Farage. I don't think, I don't think we know the half of what's going on with Farage, to be honest. Nothing has been forthcoming from Sir Chris Bryant. But I wonder whether that is what's given me part of the problem. I have employed a top firm of London lawyers. Of course you have, because you've got bags of money, Nigel. I'm going through a series of subject access requests to find out what is held on me by the international agencies and by the bank that wants to close me down. But think about it. Without a bank account, you effectively become a non-person. You don't actually exist. It's like the worst regimes of the mid-20th century, be they in Russia or Germany. Yada, yada, yada. City banker, city trader, city of London worker, turned politician, didn't really give an arse that the UK didn't properly leave the European Union, ends up on GB News as a news presenter, which he isn't. Bizarrely, he receives a top award earlier in the week for being the news presenter of the year, bizarrely. Um, who the hell is Nigel Farage? That's a legitimate question, I would argue, isn't it? It's 23 minutes past the hour. Feel free to throw your oar in. I will pick this up again later on in the programme and read your comments on it. Leave the comments for Richie Allen. Uh, sorry, at richieallen.co.uk. I'm not referring to myself in the third person. Leave them via the app. You'll get the app or you will download the app via, if you're an Android user, Google Play. If you use an Apple phone, you will get it via the App Store. I've got two very interesting ladies joining me shortly. We're going to talk about their campaign 
to prevent a 5G mast being erected only metres from a school boundary in the Maidstone Borough in Kent. This is very serious. It's good to be talking about this again today. Again, I'm sure you've got something to say about that. So say something about it. Do it to me via the usual channels. My name is Richie Allen. Otherwise known as your BBG. This is the most listened to independent news radio show on planet Earth. It really is. And we're streaming on Rumble. God help us. Rumble.com forward slash The Richie Allen Show. This is Denise Lewis. Let's hear it for the boy. Back in three minutes is my guest. Denise Williams, let's hear it for the boy. Footloose, wasn't it? And uh, Nigel is telling me breakdance as well. It might have well have been in Breakdance, the movie. That's, I mean, that is showing your age. A roll of linoleum. Remember when a roll of linoleum, I can't say it. Great comic did that gag once. Billy Connolly, I think, did that gag. A roll of linoleum. Anyway, this is a very serious issue. So let's talk about it, right? I mentioned at the very top of the programme that uh, Kate Moore is a parent whose children attend Valley Park School in Maidstone, which is in Kent. She was horrified to learn that Maidstone Borough Council approved an application for a 15-metre 5G mast to be erected to be put up less than 10 metres from the school boundary and less than 100 metres from the classrooms. Right now, the parents objected, residents objected, but the council said, no, we're going to go ahead and do it anyway. Now, Kate argues that the consultation process wasn't done properly or sufficiently and that people weren't given access to consultation. They weren't brought in to a room where they could discuss their concerns and all the rest of it. She's begun or began even legal action against Maidstone Borough Council. She is trying to get this decision overturned. So let's welcome to the programme Kate Moore and also fellow campaigner Julia Burgess. Ladies, you're very welcome to the programme. How are you? Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Was that Kate or Julia there? That that was Kate. How are you doing, Kate? Hi, Julia. Have we got you in the room? Yes, I'm here. Brilliant. Thank God for technology, ladies. <laughs> it's uh, it's genuinely lovely to have you on. Julia, if you wouldn't mind um, holding fire a moment, we'll, we'll, we'll kick off with Kate. Kate, go back to the beginning. When did this start? Um, okay, so I was notified by a friend at the beginning of April um, who used to have a child who went to Valley Park School, which is where my two boys go. Um, and she said, were you aware of a planning application for a 5G telecoms mast um, outside of the school boundary? I was not aware. So I looked, looked on, on the Maidstone Borough Council's planning site and there it was, clear as day. Um, from the 8th of March, it was submitted. And obviously now we were into April and we had until the end of April to, to object or put in any comments. Um, so obviously I put my objection in um, and my concerns, I had, I had big concerns, uh, which is when I consulted Julia through her EMF sensitivity Facebook group. Um, and I have to say her, along with her partner, Dave, and another lady from Brighton have been incredible help. And I would not have been able to do this without them. Brilliant. Now, the school says, um, Julia, you'll get plenty of time, by the way. I'm not ignoring you. The school says, Kate, look, and local authorities say, they say this is proven safe technology. 
nothing to worry about here. There's no evidence that this will cause any harm to anybody. So now, in response to that, what do you say? Well, um, the the ICNA guidelines, which are what the government uses to be that the ICNA, uh, they the guidelines they advise the um, councils on on this on these grounds. Well, firstly, we can't. Um, firstly, um, they cannot. Sorry, I've just lost my No, my take your time. We have loads of time. And by the way, ICNERP is largely funded by the manufacturers of the technology, if I'm not mistaken, Kate. That's right. So, so, so um, the council will say that health impacts are not a material planning consideration when assessing a proposal of this nature. And they just base on this on sighting and an appearance. And that alone is, is not great for anyone who has fears of, of any health you know, uh, effects that can happen. And the fact is that people do, people have got sensitivities to radio frequencies and EMF, um, electronic magnetic fields. Um, that's, that's a fact. And also ICNA do mention that people with metal implants, um, they have obviously a greater risk of being affected, but that is not taken into consideration in any of the, these planning processes. And we'll talk now in a moment about you going to court and I know there's a page where you're asking people for support and you're doing well but you need a few more quid, Kate, so we'll talk about that. Julia, welcome to the programme. So you run an EMF awareness group on Facebook which I believe has a, a huge following. How did you get into it? When did you become concerned that this technology is having some negative impact on people? Uh, well, the group is called the UK Electrosensitives, and it was started by my partner, Dave, in 2014. Uh, it's there, really, to give support to anybody that um, has effects of uh, EMF exposure, um, because there are some people that are sensitive to this, myself included. Julia, do you want to... Now, bear in mind, ladies, we have loads of time, right? This isn't... Um talk TV where you're going to get kicked off after seven minutes, right? So we've loads of time to flesh this out. Julia, when you said sensitivities, give us an idea of the kinds of problems that some people have or experience when they are affected by the what would the EMF or the non-ionising radiation. What sort of problems? Uh, you, you can suffer brain fog, palpitations, um, fibromyalgia type symptoms, chronic fatigue, uh, muscular problems, joint pains, dizziness, that there are a whole host of problems. I've suffered with most of them myself. Uh, that basically when you, when you are exposed to, let's say Wi-Fi, for example, some people begin to develop symptoms like an allergy type reaction, uh, when they're exposed to something like Wi-Fi or mobile phone masks, that kind of thing. If you're exposed all the time, you, you tend not to recognise that that's what's causing your problem. It's only when you come away from the exposure and then you re-expose yourself, then the symptoms come back. Uh, so people, it does take quite a while for some people to make that connection. You know, I've been hearing from people for about 12, 13 years that have been affected by this stuff, Julia, and they tell me that when they bring it up with a health healthcare professional, a doctor or whatever, the, the the doctors are completely clueless. They're completely in the dark about it. They have no idea. And often people get misdiagnosed and told that they're depressed or 
um, you know, you're on the spectrum or, or something like that. Have you had any experience of that trying to explain to a doctor, look, this is what's happening and they just don't know about it? That's right, I have. Uh, I mean, m- many people are then referred to a, a psychiatrist or a psychologist. Uh, that happened to me too. Although one GP that I did have at, at one point actually admitted that this was a thing and uh, he was just about to leave the practice. He was moving to, I think it was Austria, and it was him that said, I do think you're suffering with the effects of AMF exposure. Um, and that's after I'd been to see a, a, a psych- psychiatrist uh, who also admitted that this was not a, a psychological condition. Uh, I spent six weeks with a, a psychiatrist who uh, then reported back to say, this is actually a physiological condition, not a not a psychological condition. Well, well done, well done you for going along and playing the game and having the evaluation. I did, I did. I thought I thought that was yeah. needed actually. Uh, and really, after the six week period, the the psychologist said there was nothing more they could do. It's obviously not a psychological problem. No, it's a it's a physical problem. I, I I'm yes. well aware of it. And Kate, Kate, Kate Moore, we've got Kate Moore and Julia Burgess on the program. Kate, um, knowing this and knowing that the 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 skulls, I suppose, and not just the skulls, but the bodies of children are not as developed or as robust as the bodies of adults are. And if this is impacting on adults, obviously it is. I suppose this explains your concern because it's bound to have some impact on the children going to your children and the other children going to that school right yeah absolutely you know um i I just think well there haven't been enough long-term studies um available um we just can't just don't put it outside a school or residential areas where you know there there is risk of of negative bad effects Mm -hmm. and i know because listeners will be wondering like how widespread is the support but you have had a, a lot of support like a, a few years ago I imagine if you knocked on doors and you said to people I'm concerned about a 5G mast Mr Murphy or Mrs Murphy you've got a son or a daughter in the school you should be aware of it you would have gotten a lot of bewildered looks I suppose but these days that's not the case people seem to be more clued into it Kate you've got gotten a huge amount of support there in Kent yeah, I have. I have. Um, I'm gaining more more support, you know, as my crowdfund. We 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 update our crowdfund and the the, the Facebook page, the you know the the group to gain more traction and um, yeah, lots of support. And um, um, I struggled to get it to the school initially because I'm not local to the area and I didn't know many parents. But the school were kind enough to put um, to put my my pleas in the newsletter which gained some support so that was great no you're doing really well we'll talk about court in in uh, in a moment and julia you've like had quite a bit of experience of trying to raise awareness of this why 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 is it do you think that local authorities don't appear to be worried about any sort of exposure you know litigation later down the line why are they so reluctant to say okay we'll suspend this for a little bit and we'll get some independent not ICNERP which is basically you know the industry itself but we'll get some independent body to have a look at it why in your opinion Julia do they not do that well I I think it's because the government is pushing for this to be rolled out uh, that they're insisting that the whole of the country is to be blanketed with this uh, 5G coverage. Um, the councils have basically just 
in most cases, they're just going along with it. And they, they just don't know. They, they think that um, because a NICNERP certificate has been issued by the applicant, then then all is all is fine. Uh, and it, it's basically a lot of a lot of hassle for them for you know to take notice of these objections and uh, overturn masks. Although it does happen in in some areas, there are some more awake councils than than in other areas. Uh, for instance, over in Stroud, they tend to be a little bit more aware of uh, of this sort of thing. This is interesting. We're getting we're getting massive interest in this. Right, I'm going to read a couple of comments. Um, Isabel says she's noticed through friends and family that doctors are quicker than ever to blame psychological illness for any condition in which the doctor has no idea about. And she says her sister, based in France, has had constant physical pain all over her body for several months. And her doctor told her it was all in her mind. And her sister lives in a pretty big city, so she's going to be exposed. Of course, I don't know that she's, um, you know, suffering because of EMF exposure, but she might very well be. Um, let me just uh, read another one. There's so many of these. Kane is listening. Richie, in regards to the matter with 5G masks, when court cases, in the matter of local matters in local courts, you may find that the council employs their own privately paid judges which is, or could be argued, is a conflict of interest, freedom of information or whatever, the judge or magistrate on the case. Um, Kate, is, is that anything you know anything about? Because if you're trying to block the council from erecting a mast and it comes before a judge who was appointed by the council, I mean, if that's actually going on, you're kind of scuppered before you even start, aren't you, for conflict of interest? Well, yes, I, I, don't, I don't know uh, about that, really. But I don't when, either. Um, but but there's always obviously the yeah there's always a fear that they're they're kind of all in it together it's you know um it's a it's a big risk and it's a it's an expensive risk as well when you're when you're like one single person taking Maidstone Borough Council say to a, a judicial review it's it's there's lots of pressure there and you know unless you've got lots of available cash it's 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 almost impossible and you you feel not you feel but you know that the well-being of all the children in that school including your own is mm. at risk if this mast goes up so you yeah, plow on and anyway the staff and the staff you know the of staff course everybody is. who works there. and by the way kane who i don't know it's a very well-written email but he might not be right it might not be the case that the judge um has been appointed i can't imagine that because the judge would have to recuse himself or herself in that instance, you know, because they, they would be wide open for uh, appeals later on. Jody says, what do you reckon to this, Julia? I heard that communications companies can put masts up anywhere because the masts are classed as infrastructure. Does that make any sense? It does. I, I guess in some cases, if there's already, let's just say on top of a, a, a high rise building, uh, they wouldn't necessarily need permission for that if they were swapping what they call swapping out uh, certain masts. They can just go ahead and put uh, 5G masts or whatever on, on top of structures which are on top of a, a rooftop uh, site. So the, the public wouldn't necessarily be um, consulted about it. I mean, certainly in this case, in, in Kate's case, the, the public consultation was pretty much non-existent. Uh, it was flawed, I think, from the beginning. <clears throat> when when Kate first drew my attention to it, uh, we get quite a few of these coming in, coming in actually. So 
I did take a look at it and at first glance I realised that there were some flaws in the application. They'd, they'd put, the applicant had put the wrong address. Uh, they'd put an address that was a postcode that was actually 100 metres away from where the intended site was. And uh, also they put a different area. Um, they, they noted it as Boxley instead of uh, the High Street in Maidstone. So Boxley is about two miles away from the intended site. I think it was almost, to my mind, it was a um, it was deliberately misleading. When I first looked at it, Kate was saying it was directly outside of her son's school. But when I looked at it, I couldn't see that it was. It was only when I looked further into it that, that I actually worked out it. It was supposed to be outside the school, although they did put the wrong address down. That's quite astonishing, really. That it is th that they could get something so drastically wrong in a planning application. That's it, and that was just that was just yeah. one of the flaws, really, in the application. When looking at the objections that had come in, many of them said they they hadn't even heard about the must. It was only by chance that they came across the the proposal, uh, which prompted them to put their objection in. But they hadn't been consulted, and these are um, residents living nearby in the immediate vicinity who were supposed to be uh, consulted a letter through their, their door, for instance, which is what the council said had happened. But none of them had received this letter, nor did the uh, the head of the, the schools, um, the, the chief operating officer of uh, the Academies Trust hadn't received the letter, though the council said they'd sent it to him. This is outrageous. There is... Um... There's one about a half a kilometre from where I'm based and it went up literally overnight. Nobody was told about it. It's just there now. Let's um, Kate, talk about the case then. Kate Moore and Julia Burgess are on the line. Kate is going after, she's taking a legal case um, against her local authority or the local authority where uh, the school is based, her children are attending the school. She's taking action against Maidstone Borough Council where is it now, Kate? Where's the court case exactly? Yeah, well, we, we unfortunately, we had to withdraw recently because of, and that was literally down to lack of funds. You know, we, Julia kindly set up the crowdfunding and within within five days, we had reached over £2,000, which was amazing. And that kind of gave us hope to, you know, to continue with the judicial review where we instructed a solicitor to, to prepare paperwork for the the review um but the day before filing um our kind of crowdfund slowed right down and the solicitor said we would need another five thousand on top of the first five thousand we we well we are my invoice was four thousand just over four thousand which was already spent she said i need another five thousand pounds by fi filing it which was the next day and she said, and then you'll need up to 25,000 in total if, if we were to go the, the full hog. So we just had to, we had to uh, withdraw because we just, you know, we couldn't take the risk, which was really disappointing. However, what that did do was it, it signified to the council that we were serious. So they would have known that we were, you know, pursuing a legal case. And it also we managed to get it published in the local KM, our local uh, paper and our Kent Messenger online and the journalist he's you know he's done a third article which came out today so that's great you know it's, it's made it's it's sending out awareness um, but we we were on such a tight deadline you know everything was 
kind of it was a bit panic stations because we had we had days to make a decision yeah and it was just it was kind of all all stations go go and and you know it was ultimately it was lack of funds even though our case was quite strong i think no, you've that, done that's the problem actually so sorry no sorry. go ahead julia no go ahead go, go right ahead um it, it was really uh, touch and go whether whether Kate was going to uh, file. It was literally hours to go, and we we're keeping an eye on the crowdfunder to see if any more funds could come in to enable uh, this to proceed. And unfortunately, Kate has now ended up with it with this bill. Um, she's about six hundred, just over six hundred pounds short of being able to pay the legal costs now that have been wrapped up during this whole process. Um, so we've still got the crowdfunder going and desperately trying to raise that final 600 and odd pounds just to clear the solicitor's bill. Let me, um, I'm going to bring it up. Let me give the URL to, um, to our listeners. Um, I, I'm, it's a real shame that I didn't know about this a few weeks ago, to be honest. Uh, but anyway, um, that, that's by the boy. We might be able to do something in the future. Folks, if you go to crowdfunder.co.uk and look for Stop 5G Mast by Maidstone Schools, um, and it's by Catherine Moore uh, with, with K for Catherine. If you can um, send a couple of bob, we know times are tight, but um, um, it's completely genuine, this. Um, th th it's completely, I'm telling you, it's completely genuine, right? So go, go on there, and if you can do anything to throw a few quid, um, the the way of of Kate, please do that. I mean, fantastic and fantastic to get the um the press coverage of it, and it was decent, fair, and pretty much balanced coverage as well, which is, uh, which mm. is nice, you know. I suppose yeah, really what needs to happen is, you know, what they do in in um of course in the states where tort um lawsuits began, I suppose mass torts. What they do is they take a case somewhere to try a case to see if there's any, you know, hope for a much bigger case. What what I suppose would be the thing to do in the future was for us to get behind somebody who's doing this. Um, shame it wasn't you, Kate, but somebody who's doing this somewhere mm. in the country and get mm. properly behind them and cover those costs and get it to court. Because that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, I'm with you. I, I, I think it's harmful. I know it's harmful. I've seen the evidence of it myself. It's definitely harmful to children. And yeah, well, go ahead, Kate. Go right ahead. I think we've learned so much. Well, I've learned so much. You know, I'm learning every day about the effects of Wi-Fi and radiation. And I think if 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 one thing we have done is if, is I've raised massive awareness. You know, lots of my friends were like, "Well, what's wrong with five G? What's wrong with this?" You know, and I can feedback all my findings from this case. And and you know, this won't be the um, this won't be the last mast to go up outside a school. Um, for some reason, I think schools are being targeted, could you say? I don't know. It might be the wrong word. But I think the only way you will know about it in your local area is you would have to go on your council website, look under planning and search for, I don't know, telecommunications or um, monopole. You, you, if you put 5G in, 4G, 3G, that won't come up. So it's it's quite sneaky, I think, how it's being done. Um, and I think the the awareness raised, especially in my local area, um, and I can help. Hopefully, I'll be able to help and support other people who find themselves in this position where they've not been notified of of an application outside their child's school. 
Well, you have the experience. There's no doubt about that of of this case. And Julia, what what is it with the placing of these masks around schools and around hospitals? Amazingly, I'm a stone's throw from Salford Royal, which is a very I don't know if it's the biggest. It's one of the biggest hospitals in the country. It's ever expanding, but they do seem to go up many. Now, I suppose to be to be the devil's advocate, just briefly, they will probably say that schools need high-speed broadband, high-speed internet, so do hospitals, that's what they'll say. But others will say, and Kate's hinted at it, if this technology is harmful, um, why would you put it anywhere near a school or a hospital? Well, this is a thing, actually. And uh, have you have noticed that uh, the behaviour of children is getting, is getting worse over the years? Um, and also people people stay in hospital. There are, there are even hospital workers. There's been a report out today about uh, sick NHS staff. There are so many masks going up around and on top of hospital buildings and around schools. And and then people argue that uh, this, this stuff is safe because it's been around for years, but we're getting more of it, more layers uh, on top of existing layers and who knows why they choose to put these masks outside of schools? Uh, I mean, sadly, schools also have Wi-Fi, um, and that that was uh, that began its rollout in what about 2006, 2008. All schools started um, installing Wi-Fi, and then children's behaviour um, just seemed to become worse over the years. We're getting so so many um, mental mental health problems. Um, I don't know. Hospitals are certainly not safe places, not like they used to be. No, certainly not like they used to be. We've heard some stories on this programme. Let me read a few more uh, messages. Before I do that, um, let me remind you, our guests this afternoon are Kate Moore. Uh, Kate has um, done her absolute damnedest to uh, take Maidstone Borough Council to court over their plans to erect a 5G mast metres from the school boundary where her children and many other children and staff uh, go every day. Um, we've also got Julia Burgess. Julia's a campaigner, runs a Facebook page. Y- you can give us that Facebook um, address in a few minutes, Julia, and I will obviously put the links and the link to the Stop 5G fundraiser on the podcast notes. And I do say again to people, if you've got a couple of quid um, to help clear that bill, it's an absolute genuine um, case. They made a proper effort there to get this to court for 25 grand in the end, cheapers. It's horrendous. Um, let me read a couple of these. Grace Ann says, my son is 33 and has had every symptom that has been discussed by Julia particularly. We live less than 50 yards from a 5G mast. He's been suffering terribly since he moved here two years ago and the mast, Richie, says Grace Ann, went up during lockdown. That is amazing. Christina says... There is a great group also on Facebook with a local reporter getting lots of 5G applications refused. Trafford residents against 5G. I think we spoke to them on this programme um, last year or the year before. And Christina mentions Darren Mars. Then Zach has been in touch as well. Typical lawyers, he says, take the case and money, then later tell them other costs which they know they can't afford. The result is the lawyer gets the cash knowing they have to do bugger all. And in that, in this instance... You know, they're supposed to do some pro bono work. This is obviously a very important case and the health of the of the local population is in 
is in uh, is in question here. I I kind of would have liked to have thought that there might be one or two lawyers who might do stuff, you know, pro bono, do it for nothing in the interests of the health of the community. Dylan says, Richie, I know of a 5G mast outside a senior school here in Grimsby. And there is one outside a senior school in Cleethorpes too. It's shocking that's Dylan. There's so many of these coming in. Pandora reckons, can I ask you, Julia, do you know much about them? I'm sure you do. She reckons that the Stop 5G movement in Bristol has had some success. Um, do you know anything about that? Yes, I was um, partly involved in, in some of that campaign, actually. And there were many, many masks that were halted. Uh, it was quite a an active campaign group down in that area. And uh, we were all keeping an eye on the, 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 the planning, the council's planning portal for every single application that came in. And we were all on it as soon as these uh, these proposals came through. The, the problem is, they get like Kate said earlier, actually, they do get more and more sneaky. If you try to look for a 5G mast on the council's planning portal, if you're doing a search, you may not come across one uh, with those keywords. You've got to you've you've got to change your approach uh, and put things like phase eight monopole um, wrap around cabinet uh, and that kind of thing. Uh, telecoms that that often brings some some must applications up. You've got to keep checking this weekly. And Julia, uh, can I just jump in there? Do you are you convinced that this messing around with the language is to hide this stuff? Oh, I do think so. Of course it is. Yes, absolutely. They, they, they want these applications to go through smoothly, of course. They don't want all the hoo-ha from the public, which is why I think in Kate's case, they put uh, they, they knew it may cause some uproar from the locals and from concerned parents if they found out it was to be installed outside of the school. So I think, this is my personal opinion, this is why they misled the public with the address. Although it was the correct, um, on the actual site plans where it shows the elevation of the mast, um, they, they, they pinned it down to the correct site there. The actual address was misleading. And I think I think that was done deliberately. Um, just going on, actually, going back to the, uh, the lawyer and, and doing pro bono work, um, Kate's lawyer did actually give give us a lot of um, advice in the early stages, oh, did free they? of okay. charge. Fair enough. Uh, she, I have to say, she was very good. Uh, it's a really good law firm, and they also helped. If you remember the Fishersgate case in Brighton, oh yeah, with Car- Carol Springer, um, who she actually won that case, and uh, the council backed down, and the council had to pay about £13,000 worth of costs in the end. But basically, they succeeded with that case, and this is the same law firm that we were using in this case. The problem was, really, fundamentally, we couldn't get enough funds in in, in place in time. The, t- the deadline is so tight that it's such a strict uh, timeline. Um, you've got to get all your evidence in, uh, well, proof really, before a certain date. You've got to be sure of that and have the money in place before you can proceed. So, but thankfully, the, the solicitor did did do um, a fair bit of work for nothing, actually, which was very kind. About 65 quid has gone in so far since we've come on air. Oh, that's so. amazing. Thank you so, so much. That's that's amazing. Nice. Alice Thank has been on to say she's donated. Uh, council, councils are feckers, she says, uninformed 
and lazy. Folks, you need to go to crowdfunder.co.uk. Stop 5G massed by Maidstone Schools. Um, and by Catherine Moore, you, you, you'll find it there. Kate, what do you do now from here? Because none of this changes the fact that your kids, their friends, and the people who look out for them, the teachers and the, you know, the assistant teachers and the staff are at risk. So where do you go from here yourself? Yeah, so so I've got a stage two um, complaint in with the council and they took longer than, than the deadline was to get back to me um, with their response. But basically I've asked them if, if, if the mask does go up and then we see health effects, you know, in the children, you know, if we've seen a decline in health, obviously they say it's going to be difficult to prove. But I asked the question, who would I hold liable for, you know, a decline in health after the mask has gone up and that is what I'm waiting for um, from their response but it, we're also I've organized we've organized two demonstrations peaceful demonstrations outside of the school grounds um, next Thursday between um, 3 and 5 p.m. and next Sunday um, from 11 a.m. Well done. That, can I, can that's Thursday the 6th and Sunday the 9th. Thursday the 6th and Sunday the 9th. Can I... So three, 3 till 5 on Thursday the 6th and then 11 in the morning till 1 on Sunday the 9th. Uh, we're doing two peaceful, peaceful demonstrations. Well, listen, the very best of luck with those. Julia, before I... I, I won't forget, but before we, we, we um, run out of time, this EMF awareness on Facebook, tell us about it. Where can people... What, what's the, uh, the, the address? They need to go to. It, it's on Facebook. It's called the UK Electrosensitives. There are about 1,400 members already in the group. These are mostly people or their friends uh, of fr friends of EHSP. It's EHS for electro hypersensitive people. Uh, it's where they can get online support. Unfortunately, many electrosensitive people uh, are not even able to get online uh, so this is really only um, su supporting a small number of, of people in in the country uh, those that can actually get on to Facebook because uh, obviously as you know a lot of people are too sensitive to even use a computer uh, so it's the UK electrosensitives if anybody cares to join it's a private group so and the other thing going forward actually uh, my partner has organized um, a petition to, to try to outlaw the practice of installing masks outside of schools uh, for, for what it's worth. It's a parliamentary petition. It's not gone live yet. We're just in the early stages. So we, we, it's back and forth with the permission uh, petitions committee uh, just to get the wording right. But we'll be making that known on all our on all our sites uh, for, for anybody to sign that. And as you know, if you can get 10,000 signatures then you get a response from the government and at 100,000 signatures, it, it can be considered for, for debate in Parliament. Well, well we, we thought we'd give it a try anyway. Why not? Well done. And just one more time, Julia, the, the shortened name for the Facebook group again is? UK Electrosensitives. The Electrosensitives. And Kate, we'll, you, UK Electrosensitives. UK Electrosensitives on Facebook. Kate, we'll give you the final word. Well done on getting as far as you did. And... Uh, getting the exposure you got on the press and making parents aware of it. Both of you have got a great manner about you. I think you'll do well 
you know, stopping people. And you know what I mean by that, don't you? We've got people in, in our circles who are a bit full on when they talk about these things and they have a way of scaring people off. But I think you're marvellous, both of you. Uh, Kate, final word to you. Uh, before you give the final word, the crowdfunder.co.uk is Stop 5G Masked by Maidstone Schools. Thanks for coming on, Kate. Final word to you. Um, okay, so the council have a duty to protect public health under the 2012 Social Care Act, the NHS Act of 2006, and the 2018 European Electronics Communications Code. Maidstone Borough Council reversed the decision to put a mask outside Maidstone schools. Thank you very much, Julia, <laughs> and you, Kate. All Thank the very you. best. Thanks, Richie. You're very welcome. Thanks, don't Richie. be uh, don't be a stranger either, either of you, Kate Moore and Julia Burgess on Thursdays. R- excuse me, Richie Allen Radio Show. Lovely to hear from the ladies. And uh, yeah, it's deadly serious. This we we know this technology. We know these masks are harmful. They're more than harmful. And uh, yeah, and what's in it for councils? What's in it for councils? We need to talk a little bit about that as well. The Richie Allen Show features doctors, scientists, academics and researchers who have been banned by the legacy media. Support Richie now by making a financial contribution at richieallen.co.uk. Lots of comments for me to read and I will read them in a moment. Keep them coming in. You can message me via the website richieallen.co.uk. Also, use uh, the app. There is an app for the programme. Get it Apple, get it Google, get it Android and... uh, just let me know what your thoughts are. On any subject, it doesn't matter. On any subject. Here's Jeff Lindsay, hello, and last train to London then. It's the BBG, not the BBC. It just occurred to me a moment ago, it genuinely just occurred to me that anyone watching the Rumble stream and there are there are not too many people watching the Rumble stream, which I didn't think there would be because we've been established far too long as a radio show, but not too many. But those who do will see the dad dancing that goes on during the musical interludes. It just actually occurred to me <laughs> as I'm doing that stupid side to side dance in my seat. People can see that now, Baldy, unless you get something for the musical interludes where you just go like this. But I won't do that. You'll be glad to know that Madonna has been discharged from hospital after infection. She was rushed to intensive care. Now, Madonna. You know, if this was an adult show and it was late in the evening, I could... uh, 15 different gags have come to my mind immediately regarding Madonna and infection. So many gags. (laughs) I feel like Chandler Bing and friends. So many gags. I'm trying to hold them back. I mean, how could anybody be surprised that Madonna gets an infection? But there were many gags, filthy gags came to mind and I have censored myself. I'm getting better at it. Madonna was in it. I'm a fan of Madonna, much to the chagrin, to the chagrin of friends of mine, including the the brilliant Jeanne Crowley. They can't understand it because Madonna became something... Not quite like Bono, but became something kind of slightly demonic, didn't she, Madonna? Let's be honest about it. But I love Madonna's early music. I don't know why, as a young lad, I was into the music of Bruce Springsteen, U2. I liked a bit of hard rock in the 80s or hard glam rock. I don't know how you'd categorise it. You know, the Bon Jovi and Cinderella and 
and Poison and Skid Row. I'd listen to anything. And I've, I've got a very open mind when it comes to music. Everybody says that. But I do, if you saw my vinyl collection, you couldn't believe it. How could you possibly listen to this and, and enjoy that? But I did. It's probably why I enjoyed late night radio so much. But Madonna's early pop music, I loved it. The Nile Rodgers stuff, I loved it. It is beautifully simple, but long-lasting pop music. And Madonna was a phenomenon. I know she became something else entirely, whether consciously or unconsciously. But I do like Madonna. And, uh, you know, um, I did have a lucky escape some years ago, though. I was studying my postgraduate. I was doing TV and radio at Salford University. And Madonna was in town. Now, this was in 2004. And she was in town, I think. I could be wrong. It might have been 2005. The tickets. Now, we're talking, oh, my God. We're talking 20. My mathematics is diabolical. So we're talking 18 years ago, right? The tickets were £150 in 2005. Put it into context. That same summer, I took the missus to go and see you 2 at the Etihad Stadium where Manchester City plays football and our tickets were around about £45 each. Madonna was charging 150 And I was tempted to try and find the money. If we're not millionaires today, which we're not, we're nowhere near it, uh, just like yourself, we're not, we hadn't a pot to piss in back then. So... The case was, right, we're not, I'm not going anyway to see Madonna. I say lucky escape because a lecturer of mine at Salford Uni went to see her, paid them £150. He was a lecturer in, uh, what was he? Because there were so many modules in TV and radio. I think he was involved in sound, I think. Radio, a guy called Mike, he was very nice. Um, she mined from start to finish and people had to pay £150 to see her. And we, I mean, that is wench-like behaviour. She mimed. Not for two hours. For about an hour and 20 minutes. And then pirouetted off the stage. Presumably into the arms of Guy Ritchie. Or somebody like that. Mimed. Holy crap. I said, If I'd have paid 150 they would have had to drag me out. I'd have gone ballistic to be mimed at. You know... And funnily enough, she's not the worst singer of all time. She's certainly not the greatest, but not the worst. Thank you for your messages. David says, kids vaping might also be having unknown effects on children's mental health. Excellent comment from David. And it does, I find it very strange. I am in the midst of about four, maybe five different schools. Some of them are secondary schools, some of them primary schools. And you do see a lot of very young kids vaping. Now, I understood vaping was a means to get off the cigarettes, the demon weed. And some of these kids, I can't imagine they were smoking cigarettes. So I've been listening to quite a bit of this on BBC Radio 5 Live. And I suppose if you're going to trust the BBC on anything, you can probably trust them. Can you? Probably not. But reporting on child vaping. I mean, surely they they're going to report on that truthfully, right? Apparently lots and lots of children are taking up vaping without ever having smoked a cigarette. Yeah, I know. And Rude Boy Marcus says, it's unbelievable is EMF. 
Boom, boom. That's actually a good gag. Sam says, Mark Boyersky has got many crystals on his site that can help with EMF if placed around the room. Thank you, Sam. Uh, really appreciate that. Mark will be speaking with me this coming Monday on the show. The great Mark Boyersky. Love having him on. Gaz reckons they should fund somebody to tear down the towers. Well, they can't do that, Gaz. And it wouldn't be right. No good comes of that. The only thing that comes with that is a jail sentence. So we can't be endorsing that, you know. Nelly says, um, I'm busy, so it's a quick message. Thanks, Nelly. What about the topic of homelessness and sofa surfing? We've talked about it on the programme. The awful reality for people, you know, who, who, who don't have a place to call their own that are spending time on their friend's sofas or mum and dad's sofa. It's terrible. And Seamus has been in touch. Thank you, Seamus. You're an absolute gentleman. He's left some Tato crisps for me at the house of a mutual friend. Marvellous. Thanks very much. Bill reckons Madonna has several body doubles. You never know. Bicob says, I love La Isla Bonita. I love it. And Paulie says, from Like a Virgin to Ray of Light, she had a fantastic run of music. Now, back to matters more prescient. We talked about Nigel Farage earlier on. Wayne says, I'm not personally convinced that Farage wasn't genuine regarding Brexit, which I voted for on principle, whilst believing it would never stop the agenda or change the UK's part in it in a meaningful way. Well, that's what I did. I went to the polling booth in Fallowfield, where we lived at the time, for the laugh. I clicked, I put an X in the box saying leave. I took a photograph of it, which you're not supposed to do, and I put it on Facebook for a giggle. Yeah, I have to say I never believed that um, leave would win. I didn't believe that. But anyway, again, it goes to show I'm wrong more often than I am right. Uh, Wayne says, the purpose being to usher in the agenda of open globalist tyranny. I believe the orchestrators of this must have been laughing themselves silly on the run up to the Brexit vote, knowing it didn't mean anything, uh, says Wayne. Yeah, good point, Wayne. In hindsight, it's possible the referendum was a sham from the start and the vote may have even uh, gone as planned in order to create a false sense of national autonomy and the illusion of freedom. Now, that is a very well put together argument, Wayne. Yes, that's a good argument. And that might be true. I don't know if it is, but I'd kind of go along with it now. You know? Good stuff. Kiki, I'm sorry I didn't see this in time. You ask, do, 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 did any of the ladies, Julia or Kate, know or hear anything about how we can repel electromagnetic frequencies, the radiation? Kiki says, I've got dizziness, which I think is caused by 5G, maybe wearables or clothes. Now, Pandora has responded to that. You can see these messages on richieallen.co.uk, where it says live comment. Pandora has got involved and said, look, there are things you can do, so go and read them there. Thanks to Faisal. Angus says, Richie, I worked in the NHS for 30 years. Off, off sick, while working, off sick every few months. Since retiring, in 2006, I have had very few illnesses. And Angus, you would have been surrounded by devices uh, pinging out uh, EMF, electromagnetic frequencies or radiation. No doubt about that. Hi to Jilly, who says, I'm reading a book called The Invisible Rainbow, 
which documents the beginnings of electricity way back in the 1700s to today's wireless 5G. To precise, uh, to precisely, the ill health is well documented and the health effects increase in general populations with each increase in rollout, starting with telegram, then electricity, electricity to streets, then electricity to houses, to radar, and so on. It's fascinating and a wee bit scary. So this book, Jilly says, The Invisible Rainbow, looks at how electricity started out, how electricity has evolved, and at each step of the way, the impact on the health of people in general. Very good, Jilly. I wasn't aware of the book. We must get the author on if he or she is available to come on. I appreciate that. Jenny says it is, it is so unfair that councils and governments can use public money to introduce things that are harmful, but those wanting to oppose them struggle to raise the funds. That's another excellent point. It is 17 and a half minutes past six. Anto says, look, it's pointless, he says in his opinion, going to court with these people and the corrupt court system. We know they are dangerous. People just need to tear them down, he says. <laughs> did I already read out a message from Anto? I think I did. This one was on the website. Well, look, if you do, you're putting yourself at risk of being arrested. And as far as I understand, the penalties are very severe for anybody damaging a 5G mast. I wouldn't endorse it. I don't think it's the way to go. And I'm not, you know, I, you know I'm no shrinking violet. I'm no coward. I just don't think it is the way to go. Now, I left the latter part of this programme free today um, because I wanted to get somebody on the programme to talk about a story which broke around about lunchtime today. And I haven't been able, with, 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 with only a little bit of time available to me, I wasn't able to book anybody in last minute. A very good friend of mine, Dr. Betty Martini, I was hoping Betty would come on but I haven't been able to reach her. We might get her on next week. And the story is this. Now, you're going to groan. You won't groan. You won't groan because you know it's important. What you're going to wonder is, why now? Why now? Why this time in particular? Because for years and years and years, you have heard people on programmes like this, right? Podcasts and what have you, tell you, learned people, that artificial sweeteners can cause cancer. And aspartame was probably one of the most well-known. And this is extraordinary, isn't it? Can you explain to me why this is happening now? Please, answers please, because I don't know. Here it is. Aspartame, the artificial sweetener used in thousands of products, is to be declared a possible cancer risk to humans by the World Health Organization. Let me read you from The Guardian. The World Health Organization's cancer research arm which is the International Agency for Research on Cancer, or the IARC, okay? Now, the, this, is a this is a division of the WHO, right? The International Agency for Research on Cancer has conducted a safety review of aspartame and will publish a report next month. It is preparing to label the sweetener as, quote, possibly carcinogenic to humans, end quote, Reuters reported today. Again, I'm reading from The Guardian. That would mean there is some evidence linking aspartame to cancer, but that it is limited. The IARC has two more serious categories, which are probably carcinogenic to humans and carcinogenic to humans. 
The move is likely to prove controversial. The IARC has faced criticism for causing alarm about hard-to-avoid substances or situations. That's an amazing line, isn't it? The IARC has faced criticism for causing alarm about hard-to-avoid substances or situations. Now, you can translate that into even more simple English. Don't be causing alarm about aspartame causing cancer. Sure, people can't avoid aspartame. So, so don't be wasting your time saying it's harmful. It might be, but your people can't avoid it. Well, you can ban the fucking thing, for a start. And every other artificial sweetener. I mean, sugar is bad enough, right? But the sweeteners, deadly, many of them. And um, I wanted to get Betty on today, because she's an absolute genius when it comes to explaining how these substances came to be in our foodstuffs to begin with. You know, the skullduggery the backhanders and the corruption that went on before the FDA in America approved aspartame for use. Rummy was involved. Or was it Cheney? It was Rummy, wasn't it? Or Cheney? Rummy. I know we've only talked about this a few weeks ago. Forgive my memory just going out the bloody window. But um, I want your thoughts on this. Why now? We don't trust the World Health Organization. It doesn't act in the interests of the global population, the great unwashed, you and me. In fact, it does the contrary. It works day and night to make people less healthy. Its biggest um, donor is that bastard Bill Gates. The WHO is not interested in keeping us alive. So why do you think it is um, effectively telling us what we know, which is that aspartame can cause cancer? Please help me out. RichieAllen.co.uk that is my website address. Comment live there or comment via the 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 uh, the app. The app. That's right, the app. 22 minutes past the hour. So I'm going to leave it open in case we get Betty on for a few minutes. Because it's a big story, this. This is a big story. And she'll have an opinion as to why now. You know, maybe the sweeteners that are replacing aspartame are bloody well worse, maybe. I don't know. Simon says they don't give a damn because they are poisoning poisoning us now with thousands of toxins. Fiona says, Richie, I can't believe you can be so slow. You can believe it, Fiona. <laughs> I can be very slow. She says, the COVID jabs are causing turbo cancers. It's a good point, Fiona. You might very well be right. Your point being that if their mRNA jabs are inducing cancer in people... Well, sure, they can tell people, listen, aspartame might be giving you cancer. That makes them look good, doesn't it? That's a win for the w uh, the WHO for the World Health Organization. That's a win. Oh, look at them. They're looking out for us. They're, they're on the watch. They're, they're guarding humanity. And then they're slipping in these jabs and they're dangerous. Nicola Lund has been in touch. She's brilliant. Nicola is brilliant. She's been on the programme before. She'll be on again. Terrific journalist. Nicholas, good evening, Nicola. Richie, my guess is that it's yet another deflection away from the possibility that injections might be causing cancer. Going along with Fiona there. Excellent, yeah, possibly. Got to leave that open as a possibility. Luke reckons due to the cancer rates going up because of the jabs, they will now blame it on that. Excellent, Luke. If we were devious backsters, right, and we knew that aspartame was causing cancer. And we've known this for years. For years we've known this. 
Now we're urging people to take mRNA jabs, not just the COVID jabs. People will be increasingly given brand new mRNA jabs for your obesity, for your warts on your fingers. Does anybody have warts anymore? I've never seen, it's been a long time. When I was a kid, people had warts and they would have them cauterized. I've never heard of that now for many years. So whatever, anyway, right? So there will be a jab for everything. A jab for sleeplessness, a jab for insomnia. I might take that one. I'm only joking. I won't be taking any jabs. So, yeah. And if those jabs cause cancer, wonderful. Wonderful. Sweeteners can cause cancer. Luke, you're a devious old bastard. I bet you you're working for the WHO yourself there, Luke. Suzanne says, I heard years ago, around about 2012, that aspartame was, wait for it, the poop of bacteria. As I knew it, it was in fizzy drinks and gum, etc. So my son has never indulged with anything with aspartame in it. I knew it wasn't for our own good or, or, for, or for taste. So my mother, she says, worked well. I think there's a new sweetener called something. It's got a similar name to aspartame, says Suzanne. Thank you, Suzanne. Yeah, the, the poop of bacteria. Yeah, that rings a bell. Again, I'm gutted that I didn't know this was coming out today. Otherwise, I'd have gotten Betty on. If you remember Betty Martini, she's this beautiful southern woman with a beautiful southern accent. It's like watching Dallas, listening to Miss Ellie. She's wonderful. Um, Look her up online. If you need to know anything about sweeteners and other things besides, go and uh, look for Betty Martini online. Great name too, isn't it? Betty Martini. eh? Fantastic. Great name. Yeah, I love that name. Dave says, Richie, 10 years ago, I was working away from home. And in my hotel room at night, I attempted to astral project. This is Dave Young. I didn't have an out-of-body experience that night, but I did spend some time listening to a conversation in that space. Today, says Dave, I listened to your interview with John Waters from a few weeks ago, and I got the shock of my life. That was the very conversation I heard in that astral space 10 years ago in a hotel in Inverness Shire. I'll try and call on the phone at night to tell the story. Gavo, you're pulling my leg, old Dave. I mean, nobody makes stuff up like that, right? So we're not going to say we don't believe Dave. Dave reckons he was in a hotel room 10 years ago, wanted to astral project, didn't have an out-of-body experience, but was in some sort of a kind of a state of, what would you say, meditation, and he was listening to a conversation and he believes that was the conversation he listened to 10 years ago was a conversation that only took place with John Waters some weeks ago. I tell you what, Dave, I'm, I'm going to find you and beat the granny out of you, Dave, because when I finish this program, I'll have to listen to my missus talk to me about this for 20 minutes. So I'm going to kill you, Dave, if I can find you, because this is right up the street of my missus all night long now. Yeah, that's possible. She'll tell me why it's possible. She'll mention some book that she read, some bloke that she heard on a podcast and I'll be like, holy Jesus, just let me watch the television. Rob says, I can see the World Health Organization begin to say many things we have had in our lives being linked to cancer. Now, the more things we've all used on a daily basis that they can link to cancer will cover the real cause, says Rob, the injections. I don't think you're too slow tonight, my listeners. I think you're on the ball. Graham says, artificial sweeteners are Satan's dandruff. Yes. And poker is the devil's tiddlywinks. Got that from Henry on Neighbours in the 80s. 
from Harold Bishop. Poker is the devil's tiddlywinks, Henry. Kim says, yes, I had lots of warts on my fingers when I was a kid that they tried to burn off with acid. And I think, Kim, warts were psychosomatic thing, weren't they? They were a stress. Um, you wouldn't say illness, would you? You wouldn't say illness. They were a stress-induced problem, maybe. Another David says, good evening, David. The aspartame is the poop of E. coli. Jeepers. And we're drinking that, are we? And chewing it and stuff. Kevin says, claiming that the increasingly hated World Health Organization is now coming to rescue us by telling us something we've known for 20 years or more is a win win for the parasites, says Kevin Kelly. Positive press for the World Health Organization and more anxiety pushed onto an already MK altered population. Now they can worry about all the Diet Coke they've downed as well as the jibby jab. You're right, Kevin. That's a very good point. Kev in Tyrone says, Richie, I thought aspartame was a byproduct of aluminium, but I could be wrong. Again, I should know this stuff. I interviewed Betty many times and others. Why do you not know it, Baldy? Why can't you recall it? Well, it's because I'm coming down with early onset dementia, maybe. I don't know. I can't remember everything. It's been some time since Betty was on since we got into it. Brilliant the woman is. G.K. Searle. G.K. Searle's coming back to me now. Christopher says, again, they will find all sorts of stuff to explain the cancer rising. Some of them will be hilarious. Like, farting causes cancer, for example. They have to cover up the turbo cancer from the jab, says Christopher. Good evening, Ben, who says, re-aspartame. It could be to promote or increase uptake of fructose, another sugar, is that cancer feeds on. All of you are reminding me of something Jean Ann said years ago. We, we'd be better at the shit than... We would be better at destroying humanity than the baddies are. We are more clever than the baddies. So we're giving them ideas here, are we? In some sense, no or not. They're not listening to this anyway. But uh, she's right, Jean Ann. It's actually something I took away from the very first time I watched David Icke speak on stage. The very f- the thing I took away with me is that I kept turning around in my head. David said, these entities are only any good at destroying things. They're not very good at creating things. And that's a good point, And it stayed with me for a long time. Isabel says, Richie, I bet your missus is going to tell you that Dave's story proves that the RA show was always meant to be, says Isabel. Maybe she will. Shane reckons that fluoride is the byproduct of, of aluminium. Yes, fluoride, another deadly substance. And the fluoride that they pump into people's water supplies is, of course, industrial waste. You know, I went to the dentist recently. I've had to go back several times. His name is Hitesh. And he's very personable. And he's very lovely. Very, very lovely. Now, when you go to see somebody, they inevitably discover what it is that that I do. And they do that out of, out of curiosity. Right, the first time I went to the dentist, how are you doing, Richie? Yeah, blah, blah, blah. It's a new dentist, you see, because my dentist was a was a wonderful Jewish guy called Danny Madison. And Danny... Danny left, he broke my heart and left me broken hearted with my heart in pieces all over the floor. He left Manchester to go back to London. He's a London a Jewish lad. Danny, lovely fella too. The bastard. And the reason I was gutted when he left is because I'm terrified as a dentist. Absolutely shit scared of dentistry. I can't stand it. I hate it. 
And I, I got on well with Danny. And he knew about the radio show and he liked it. He liked it a lot, actually. And disagreed with bits of it, of course, and some of the guests, but he really enjoyed it. And every time I went to see him, he'd say, oh, very interesting, that and one thing and another. D- Danny was a um, fierce opponent of uh, the existence of the State of Israel or of the State of Israel. Didn't like it very much anyway, but uh, Danny left me. So <laughs> He left me, it took me a long time to get over it. So I'm, I'm at a new dentist now, much closer to home. And Hitesh is there. Questions, of course, they well, what do you do for a living, Richie? I don't lie, but I, but, but I don't give much away. Said I'm a journalist, that's all. Uh, what do you do? It, what, sports? No, I wish. I wish. I don't wish, by the way. I don't wish. I, I much prefer to do this. So he says, uh, politics, geopolitics. Uh, and he kept asking questions to Faker. So I said, look, I just tried to get uh, the other side of it out, the side you don't get on the BBC, blah, 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 blah. So anyway, by visit three, he's now aware of the show, you know. And he brought up fluoride. And he genuinely asked me uh, about fluoride and what did I know that he didn't know. And that really struck me as being pretty, um, not poignant, but pretty important maybe to keep in mind that people who go through the universities, their five or six years, whatever it is for, for dentistry, or orthodontistry or whatever it is orthodontics and they get all that system stuff and out they come they genuinely don't know any better so people who listen to programs like this will say oh they're all chills they're all they're not they're not so he asked me and I swear on all that is sacred to you and me Hitesh lovely bloke he didn't know where fluoride came from as far as he was concerned it's a good thing you know it's been in our toothpaste and it's good, and where it's in the water supply, children's teeth are more healthy. And I was able to talk to him about the famous China study. Of course, he wouldn't have known any of that, you know. So they're not all in on it. But um, fluoride chain, yeah, the byproduct of aluminium. Thank you. Baird says, Richie, I had a couple of warts when I was very young. My grandmother rubbed them with broad bean pods, then buried the pods. And when the pods had composted, so the warts had disappeared. This is a traditional remedy from the forest, says Baird. Brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Tell me what I'm going to do, because I'm enjoying this chat with you, th- this one-way chat. I'm going to take another tune. When I come back, I'll read more of your messages. There's about another hundred messages there to read. I'll read them at random. I won't make flesh of one and blood of the other. I'll re- read them at random. Would you like to hear... Would you like to hear... A little bit of dire straits. Sure, there's no harm in dire straits at all, so there's not. This is the Richie Allen Show, live, richieallen.co.uk, the app, Fab Radio 2 in Manchester, multiple platforms, Sultans of Swing, back and forth. You get a shiver, and then the man steps right up to the microphone. 20 minutes to 7 o'clock this Thursday, the final Richie Allen radio show of the week, only of the week, of course. In a busy old week, we've had some very interesting guests this week. Every programme is archived at podomatic.com. Just look for The Richie Allen Show. You'll find them on Spotify. You'll find them on... You'll find them? You'll find them, all right, on iTunes. And anywhere else you'll get a podcast these days. Yes. Mr. Sin says, when are you going to get guests in the studio with you? They will call you the Irish Joe Rogan. Really? I'll never have guests. Paul was a guest here. Um, when we were based in Fallowfield, 
we had one studio guest that was Ike uh, that was in Fallowfield uh, here we had Paul in studio we had Jean Ann Jean Ann was here in studio for Sunday Morning Melodies a year or so ago how could I forget that for Jesus sake uh, she's on top of the aspartame story by the way Donald Rumsfeld is the story. It was Rumsfeld even. Rumsfeld, Jesus. He was the head of G.K. Searle. Got Reagan to pass it uh, as safe. Got Reagan to okay the old uh, aspartame as soon as Reagan was elected president. And Guinness is the devil's buttermilk, says says Jean Anne. Following on from poker is the devil's tiddlywinks. Poker is the devil's tiddlywinks, isn't it? Isn't it? What do you reckon to that? Chris was on to say he had a chat recently with somebody about fluoride, with someone saying what others have already said about it. Somebody said to him, it's a naturally occurring substance in groundwater in varying amounts. The argument for adding the lab-produced stuff is to supplement the levels in areas with low levels. That is what they say. Well done, uh, Chris. That's exactly the argument. But we know that it calcifies the pineal glands, don't we? And that repeated exposure to fluoride makes people slow and docile and dumb. And it's exactly the way they want people. You know the way we talk about barium, strontium and aluminium coming down from chemtrailing? We know this to be true. We don't give a shit what people say. We know it's true. It happens. Do you think they can somehow put fluoride in that uh, discharge as well? Do you think? Or am I talking monumental bollocks as usual? Do you think it's possible? So out of the planes comes the, the heavy metals that are doing so much damage to people's health and to the health of animals and to plant life, right? Do you think they can put fluoride in there as well? Denise says, I'm loving the show tonight as always, says Denise. It was a good first hour, Denise. The women were brilliant, very important. It all went downhill at six o'clock, but thank you very much. I am blasting you out in my car as I drive to the studio to teach my burlesque chair dance class. Yes, Denise. Fantastic. She says, thank you for the dire straits trip down memory lane. Reminds me of my late father. He loved them. Thank you, Denise. Hi to Richard Sunday, who says, will the melodies be video? No, it won't be. The melodies will never be video broadcast, ever. The melodies is an intimacy thing. It's an intimacy thing. Now, you don't listen to it, do you? You don't give a shite about the melodies. That's okay. But you do over there. It's an intimate thing. It'll never be on video. No, God damn it. No, no. I've given up enough now by putting the rumble on, which I didn't want to do, and which, which offers no benefit to me. There's no benefit to the show being on rumble. Apart from the odd voyeur, voyeuristic fecker can watch me. With me big baldy beardy head, baldy bearded head on me. Okay. Mike reckons that white polytunnels, some do, at least he's saying white polytunnels, have a grey film over them now. And he sends this in milliseconds after my comment about fluoride and chemtrailing. Interesting, Mike. Rich Swindles. Hi, Rich. Teflon is a... Swindells. Rich Swindells. Teflon is a byproduct of aluminium production and bad for you. So I read once, aluminium is bad for the brain. That's right. Years ago. You have to understand, when I started doing this type of show in Spain in 2009, 2010, whenever it was, right? I had people coming on that were blowing my mind 
I mentioned uh, Ikey already and some of his pals that would come on and they were saying, I bet you use, uh, I bet you use aluminium foil, don't you? For your sandwiches, don't you? I bet you use tin foil. Yeah. And to be honest with you, we still do use a bit of tin foil, even though it's not great, is it? I bet you drink your, 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 your soft drinks from cans, which are aluminium too, don't you? I see, I knew none of this before 2009. I hadn't a clue. And I, my mind was being blown on a nightly basis by people telling me that pretty much everything in my life was bad for me. Bad for me. It's all bad for you. Now, Mother Wit says, on the towers, the masts, telecoms cannot get insurance worldwide for EMF dangers. In Canada, schools and hospitals are chosen for the masts as it is on Crown land, says Mother Wit. I don't know, don't know about any of this, but I read the comments as they come in. Um, the telecoms are getting joint and several liability insurance, which can leave one party, the municipality, paying all the injury costs. Interesting. That sounds very much like indemnifying the bastards who manufactured the COVID jabs, Mother Wit, doesn't it? Yeah, they create all the harms, but it's left to the government and the local authority to pay a paltry compensation sum to the poor fecker whose life has been destroyed by the COVID jab. Yes, yes. Thank you, Pandora, who sent a Wikipedia link to aspartame. And uh, some information. Ciro says, isn't Red Bull full of aspartame? Sounds like another Bud Light own goal. Care of the who. Very good. Busy says, aspartame is indeed bacteria shite. They knew the shite was giving lab rats tumours and it kept being rejected until Reagan passed it, as Jean Ann said to me. Sweetex was the in thing over here in the 80s before all the dieting bollocks came in, says Busy. Thank you, Busy. Very good. Scully says, Hi Scully, I saw Madonna when I was 14 in Chicago at Soldier Field in the early 80s. Now we were too far away to see her, but she was definitely singing. And with the extensive dancing, her performance was really impressive. However, she was young then. I'll always love her first album. Me too. And P.S. Yes, The Invisible Rainbow. Arthur Furstenberg has done a few interviews I'd like to hear him on this programme, says Scully. Thank you, Scully. And Colin says, Richie, regarding why the World Health Organisation is now going to say that aspartame can cause cancer, Colin says, I think it could be that cancers and turbo cancer are on the rise due to the jab. They they need a deflection. Uh, So they will tell us something that we've known about for years. Good point, uh, Colin. And, and... When we say we've known for years, you've known, Colin, I've known, Jean Ann has known, Pandora has known, Wayne has known, but the vast majority of people have no idea. They're like me in 2009. What? That Diet Coke I have in me pan there. Somebody came into the studio, it was one of the doctors I used to do the sex show uh, with. We didn't do a sex show, we did a, we did a men's health programme with two doctors late, twice a month, late of an evening in Spain. They were marvellous. I mentioned them before. Carlos Diawana and Raymond Prats. They were fantastic. Uh, both from the States, although Carlos, I think his uh, background was uh, South America, Latin America. 
they were telling me, and these were mainstream doctors, they were saying, stay away from the diet stuff, Richie. It's not good, son. In fact, Carlos said is that he believes, this is way back now, 2011, I think he said this to me. He, he, he told me live on air one night is that in his opinion, and he was a urologist, he said, I am convinced that there is a correlation between male fertility issues and the introduction of sweeteners. He was convinced of it. Yeah. Annette says they are saying this about aspartame to cover up cancers caused by their experimental gene jabs. You, my dear listeners, are not buying any of this bullshit from the World Health Organization. No more than I'm buying it. Richard from Harrow. Hi, Richard. Who says to rumble. Sorry. Thank you, Richard. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah, sorry. He says... <laughs> he says, could you please at least upload the audio from the melodies with a whole holding picture as I rarely get to listen to it live. Look, I've, I've had this before. There, there, there are copyright issues. I have a license to play music, right? It's a PPI license. I have two different licenses and it is to play music during live broadcasts. But it doesn't cover me to upload the live broadcast music onto a podcast. And this is the reason why when you listen to an old episode of The Richie Allen Show on iTunes or Podomatic, you will hear that the music is edited out. So I can't really do that, Richard. I'm sorry to say I can't do that. But what I do, and you should know this, is when the Melodies programme finishes at midday, an hour later at one o'clock, it is replayed again every two hours and it is left run and run until around about mid-morning on Monday. So that's nearly 24 hours on repeat. So there is the opportunity. And I'm sure that there is some app you can download that will allow you to record it yourself as it's going out. In fact, dear listener, help me out here. Is there an application that you can download for your phone or for your tablet which enables you to, to record a live radio show. Now, most radio stations, and I'm not a radio station, they have a listen-on-demand facility. But there are people like me who can't do that because we don't have the license to do it and can't upload the music programme. But there must be an app which enables you to download something as it is happening if you can't listen to it live. If you understand, I'll have to look into this myself. I'm sure there is an app somewhere. I, I don't know. Holly says, Richie, fluoride, fluoride is naturally taken up by tea and coffee. We can make our own free tea from foraging fireweed and free coffee from foraging cleavers. Sorry, Holly, sorry. Let me start again. I should have read this first. Flu fluoride is naturally taken up by tea and coffee. Therefore, we can make our own tea from foraging fireweed. We can make free coffee from foraging cleavers, seeds and dandelion root. Fluoride free and actually free, says Holly. Hi to uh, Julia. Ah, Betty Martini passed away. Would you believe that? Betty passed away. And I didn't know that. I had no, I had no knowledge of it. Back in February... Would you believe it? The great Betty Martini passed away in February. And there's me. I phoned her home phone today. And God love her husband now. I've left a message there. 
um, saying, I hope Betty is well and I'd like to get her on the programme, but she's passed away. I'd have to try and email her husband to apologise for not knowing that. She was a remarkable lady. Probably once every couple of years, for a decade or more, Betty came on radio programmes with me to talk about these issues and did a, a wonderful show with me on The People's Voice where we got her in vision. Uh, from her home and she was magnificent I didn't know she passed away obviously Julia thanks for the heads up I really appreciate that and Jeff Rents who you, you, if you listen to programmes like this you will know of Jeff Rents because Jeff, Jeff Rents has been around since forever um, interviewing people with alternative opinions Jeff Rents uh, doing a great job for many years it must be said uh, Jeff put an obituary up on his website back in February but it completely escaped me so I'm sad to hear that now. And, uh, you know, rest in peace, Betty Martini, eh? I wonder what she would have made of the news today that the World Health Organization is 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 about to put out this, uh, this, this, this press release or whatever it is to say that aspartame can indeed cause uh, cancer or probably or possibly causes cancer. Faisal reckons the app to use is a tape recorder. Very good. But a tape recorder ain't much good if you're using a smart device to listen to programmes like this, but I hear you. Uh, Mr. Sin says, recording on newer Androids is a one-touch process. There's no need to download anything, he says. Thank you very much. I appreciate uh, the heads up. What are we? We're coming up now for five minutes. Uh, sorry, six minutes we're coming up to is the top of the hour. I'm really sad now. I'm really gutted to learn about Betty. You know, I wouldn't have claimed that we were close, but we knew each other through the radio show and the TV show and speaking to peop uh, speaking to her about these issues. So uh, that's a bit of sad news. She wasn't um, she wasn't a young lady, Betty. So um, a good innings, I I would have I would have said, absolutely. Gabriel says, "What you could do, Richie, is make a version of you singing all the melodies." while dad dancing too. If I thought anybody would watch it, no need. Uh, no need to, there wouldn't be any need to ask me twice, uh, he says. Right, that's more or less it. I did mention Sunday Morning Melodies. Uh, you might be interested in that. Join me at 10 o'clock this coming Sunday for the Melodies programme, which um, is basically a very simple, very stripped back, laid back programme, music, tunes, and loads of silly chat too. Sunday Morning Melodies with the BBG. There is absolutely no reason whatsoever for me to use that jingle in that instance. Makes no sense. But uh, I paid for that jingle. I paid heavily for it. I paid a heavy price indeed for it. So I'm going to use it as often as I possibly can. I want to thank my guests earlier on for chatting with me. Uh, Kate Moore, who um, went after Maidstone Borough Council. Thank you, Kate. I really appreciate that. And also uh, Julia Burgess. Uh, thank you, Julia. Um, and if you can send a couple of quid, go to the, the crowdfunder site. Let me just put it up there again. Um, crowdfunder.co.uk Stop 5G mast by Maidstone Schools. They're a few quid short. They owe some money to the solicitors. They need a little bit of help. If you can do, go on there. That's Catherine Moore with a K. In the meantime, you have a fantastic weekend. Whatever you do and whomever you do it with, thanks for listening to me during the week. I've been Richie Allen. Until Sunday morning at 10, it's bye from me. Bye now. Bye. Bye, bye, bye. bye.